Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition, where every Tuesday at two, we talk with you about uh, the Bible and its relevance for today. My name is Justin Dobbs. Let me invite you to interact with us live. You can use the live chat on YouTube. We'll be watching that today throughout our entire discussion. Love to hear from you. Or you can go to BibleQuest.tv if you have questions or comments or suggestions for future studies and topics. Uh, we want to talk with you about the things that are uh, important to you in your journey to know and serve the Lord. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, today we have with us Scott Smelser. How are you doing today, Scott? Doing well. Good to see you. Yeah, good, good. Glad you're with us. And uh, returning from last week, we have with us Craig DeHutt. How are you doing today, Craig? I'm good, you guys. Good to talk with you. Good, good. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, Craig has been walking us through this discussion uh, about Christians and our entertainment. Um, Craig, I don't know if you want to do a whole lot of review today, but this is a, a topic that I think is really crucial today just because we have so much access to media. Specifically, we're looking at um, social media, online media, uh, film, uh, music, just but but this is a, such an important topic. Um, why why is this something that you're so passionate about in particular? Sure. Um, so it's it's become my uh, my career field. Um, I went to film school 17, 18 years ago, and um, have, have always had a passion in telling stories using various media, and. Uh, became more aware even than I was going into film school, but certainly learning from those individuals who are working in Hollywood and then training the next generation. Um, what a powerful and potentially dangerous set of tools we were being equipped with. And so uh, since coming out of that and, and trying to use uh, my expertise, uh, my experience in ways that are productive and good, uh, I also try to, to help encourage Christians, uh, parents, and those who, uh, you know, any of us who are consuming the media, just to be, to be thoughtful and discerning as far as what, what we're listening to, what we're watching, what we're consuming, and what are some methods to determine um, how much we watch, where we're getting our information, and whether it's actually uh, helping or harming our Christian walk. And and when you said uh, this is something you've you've long been doing, like I've seen some of your uh, earliest attempts <laughs> to use uh, film to create uh, things. Um, Craig Craig is my brother-in-law. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, and we have uh, some some home videos. Uh, but you have, you have long loved to use film to tell stories. Sometimes just goofy off the wall stories, right? Um, and those are fun to look back and see. But I think uh, one thing we talked about last week that I want to circle back around to briefly is the idea of, of story. Um, sometimes I've found my measure of, is it a good film or bad film? In this kind of conversation, I mean, does it have bad language? Um, are, there, are there sexual scenes that we need to skip? Um, and so is that one okay or not okay? But sometimes we we check like a parent's guide online and see how does it mm -hmm. rate on how many curse words, you know, are there any scenes, is there any gratuitous violence? And we don't stop to check what story is it telling? What message is it trying to sell us? And that's something that I think you've really honed in on is that um, the media is trying to uh, change us. Um, what would you say about that? Yeah. Um, so we mentioned this last week. They referred to us in film school, not merely as entertainers, but as culture changers. They understood that um, if used correctly, as they would determine correctness, we could change culture. And they knew it was not something that could be done quickly, but over a period of time, we could start crafting the the reality that we wanted by convincing people that this is the way the world works this is what marriages look like this is how problems are solved this is a hero this is a villain and <clears throat> hollywood isn't going to say 
we're going to start today's lesson by explaining to you. They're just going to tell you a story. And that story is going to depict heroes in a certain way. And it's going to depict violence in a certain way. It's going to depict sometimes they'll even touch the topic of God. And it'll, it'll communicate the mm -hmm. world's perspective of who God is or who they wish he would be. Um, and over time, and we are now, I mean, we're not just now, but we are certainly bearing the fruit of this kind of shift in thinking. We live in a culture that, that they can't even decide whether they are equipped to adequate, adequately answer the question of who is a man and who is a woman. Uh, they, they certainly don't know how to define marriage. Um, lying and what is truth? Is this ambiguous? It's, it's not clear anymore because mm -hmm. for decades and decades, they've slowly been introducing ideas of this is normal. This is what family looks like. This is what love looks like. This is how conflict is resolved. And it's all, you know, sitcoms. We, we learned that every conflict could be in, resolved within 26 minutes and 40 seconds. Um, and that usually it involved the husband giving way to the whims of the children or the wife. Um, and it should then be no surprise that families are falling, falling to pieces that children are growing up without fathers, that fathers are abandoning their responsibility as husbands and fathers. Um, well, because for decades, Hollywood said, this is who you are. Yeah. This is how you operate. And unfortunately, um, many in our culture um, eventually believed it. Yeah, so there's there's some films that are just, just built, just, you know, trash. And it's very obvious. Uh, you, you you see the trailer for it, or you see how it's advertised, and you know what kind of film it is. But then there's others where they have a very good storyline. They have actors that you like, that you respected in other roles. But now there's going to be things in there that the very purpose of it is to normalize it. Correct. It's to normalize it, normalize. that's been going on for a very long time. And I think I heard recently, I don't know if it went through or not, but there's talk of making it where a film is not eligible for either the Oscars or Academy Awards or whatever, unless it, you know, includes, you know, the LGBT, that's correct. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's correct. Yeah, they're going to have to start meeting requirements, um, as they would say, particularly as it relates to diversity. Um, and some would assume that simply means racial diversity, which I uh, obviously have no issues with whatsoever. But it is broadening now. That is, it is going to start becoming a requirement um, about gender diversity and about sexual diversity and about, um, again, Hollywood spent, and it wasn't just Hollywood, I, it's Satan. Uh, Satan redefines the term. It's, it's usually one of his first tactics to change a people's mind. He did this with Adam, Adam and Eve. He redefined the terms. Um, then he cast doubt on God's way. And then he presented an, alter an alternative and wrapped up the alternative in something that looked desirable. Um, and so for the last many decades, Hollywood has been very effective at redefining the terms. Um, love does not mean in our culture what the Bible means when it uses that word or those words. Marriage does not mean anymore what the Bible defines marriage to be. And now that the terms have been redefined and we did it. <laughs> we did it. Um, and by we, I mean collective uh, media influencers mm -hmm. and others. Um, now that the terms have been redefined, um, truth itself is being redefined or questioned. And the alternative has now been presented. And this is uh, what I believe is, is uh, we're moving beyond this phase. The alternative has been presented now for, for many years. Now it's time to, um, to vilify what used to be truth. So now that we've been presenting the normal long enough, everyone should be on board now. This is what we believe and this is what truth. And now those of you who haven't got on board, we're going to make films that ostracize you. Um, 
And there's, you know, th there's a variety of, of examples of this. Um, however, one might feel about the Catholic Church, it is not a coincidence that the vast majority of when when a film presents a Catholic priest, they are rarely ever presented as the hero, are they? <laughs> because the Catholic priest in the movie is usually it's a representation of the church or as the world sees the church, and they are normally the villains. Um, they are normally the scariest stone-faced villain, and Hollywood has done that for a reason, is now it's let's present what was once accepted in truth, and and uh, and so they'll create caricatures, and I would say that that is what they would do with a Catholic priest, a caricature of what they view as the church or as a holy person, and say they're actually the bad guys all along. They're actually the bad guys. Um, mm -hmm. And so we're in a, you know, we're we're in a dangerous spot, I think. Also, just besides like the kind of official portrayals like that, just whoever is religious, church going, and has standard values, they're going to be usually a hypocrite. Uh, they're, they're going to be uh, a bigot. They're going to be hateful. Uh, they, and then you know, something about them will be exposed. Oh, what a villain they were after all. Hmm. Just, it's just constant. It, it's it, it's intended to be a source of erosion, and so we got to stop and think if we're going to happen. Yeah, and and Craig, last time you helped us to look at First Peter one, uh, and yes. there Peter tells us to prepare your minds for action. Uh, actually, love the New King James. Um, I grew up with you know gird up the loins of your minds, um, mm -hmm. and uh, dress for battle. Uh, for work, you know, put put your work pants on, um, but but up here, and uh, when it comes to entertainment, I think an objection to all of this is just, man, I'm just checking out, I'm just ready to relax and uh, take my ease. This is leisure time, um, but but Peter warns us that's where Satan loves to do his work is when we're not paying attention, um, right. and. And he will start to tell us stories. So you last time had started to talk about some objections that we yeah. might have to some of this. Do you have any of those you want to share with us today? Yeah. Um, thanks for the the segue. This is, you know, this is always very self reflective for me because every one of these are objections I myself have used in the past, um, and sometimes in the not so distant past where um, we understand and we know, okay, I know that's a sinful thing. And I know that in the movie, I shouldn't be consuming it, but here are the reasons why some might give. And I just, I just uh, assembled, I think the top three. And one is I think the most common is simply saying it, it doesn't affect me. I understand it's there and I hear it, but I can watch movies full of profanity because I go to school where everyone is speaking profanity and that's okay. Or I, I work on a job, I hear those words all the time and it doesn't affect me. Um, and what I, would, what I would say to that is, is what Paul said, um, passages like 1 Corinthians 15 and, and verse 33. Um, and through, throughout that letter, he does it a few different times, but don't be deceived. This is gonna be a common lie you're gonna be told or may tell yourself, bad company corrupts good morals. Don't mm. fool yourself. You surround yourself with bad company, it's gonna corrupt the good morals that you have. It's an inevitable result of surrounding ourselves with sinful behavior, it's, it's going to rub off. Um, Jesus himself taught in, in Matthew 12, uh, in that section uh, 33 through 35, um, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks that when our minds when when we are actively filling our minds with ideas um with words with circumstances um because i can speak to this myself i went to a school where i did hear this all the time <laughs> artists are notorious for using this type of language uh just to use that as an example and it it caught me so off guard where there was a moment where i was back at my apartment something happened it was the classic like hammer slamming your thumb or something happened and i got frustrated and those words 
were on the tip of my tongue. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I grew up, those things were never allowed in our home. We never spoke like that. And I, I caught myself thinking, where did that come from? Well, it's, I've been dumping those in my brain for the last many months. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when we feed and ourselves so, on, on that kind of language or uh, m- movies where the stories are centered around vengeance, where the lead character was betrayed, and so he spends half of the movie chasing down someone who did him wrong a long time ago, and we see him get even. We're, we're feeding ourselves on personal vengeance and envy and jealousy, uh, strife, all those things we're warned against, pride, um, bad language, immorality, worldliness, you know, lust of the flesh. And oh, I would never, but we'd sit and enjoy watching somebody else do it for two hours. Right. So maybe we wouldn't ever, maybe, but we sure would like to. Uh, and, and we're feeding right. our desires on that. Right. Every time, uh, we keep moving the barriers. So I remember Sewell Health right. talking about when he grew up, they didn't have a TV in the house. But during the summers, he was going and preaching in another area. And the people there had a TV. So we got to sit down and watch TV. And occasionally something would come on the TV that was not appropriate. Now keep in mind, this would have been like the 1950s. So the incidences which were being seen as inappropriate now would be, you know, uh, maybe a dog poop commercial now. The lady of the house, something would come on. And the lady of the house says, oh, isn't that terrible? And the TV was turned off. Later, and maybe it was the next year, um, that type of scene would come on. And they'd say, oh, isn't that terrible? And the TV was not turned off. Hmm. Later, same type of scene came on. Nobody said, isn't that terrible? <laughs> and they just continued. Right. And you right. stop and think, if, if people 20 years ago would have thought, well, you know, this doesn't affect me. This doesn't affect me. Now, if it, now if it was this, well, now we're to this, and now we're to that. There, the, right. the, the, the forces of evil don't stop. Hmm. Don't say we, we've instilled enough perversion. We've made things bad enough. It goes and goes and goes and goes. Yeah. And in this one especially, and it's it's why it was so hypocritical for me as a filmmaker to ever use this excuse. And it's why when I hear it from others, I just shake my head. None of us would be in this industry if that were true. None of us would create content for a living if it didn't actually affect you. Of course it does. Yeah. It's why this year, it's why companies spent $7 million just to air a 30-second commercial. Because 30 seconds of your attention was worth $7 million. Wow. It's why films, the worldwide film industry, it's it's in the billions and billions of tens of billions of dollars that are spent every year to make movies. It's not simply because we're just trying to entertain. It's because we know it affects you. Of course it does. Um, it's, it's why politicians, it's, it's why people who are trying to influence other people are now coming to realize social media is the way to do it. I can tweet and I can post and I can get on YouTube. Um, none of them would do anything like that if this first objection were true. Um, so don't be deceived. Paul says, don't be deceived. Don't deceive yourself. Of course it does. And so find the content that affects you well like find the content that that actually has a positive effect on you and pursue and endorse and and promote those things um you kind of mentioned it scott um this is another one that usually follows close behind is it's not that bad i know that's bad but it's not that bad um 
you know, we I think we talked about this last time. The very first swear word to be used in a feature film was Gone with the Wind. And it, I mean, there were picket lines. There, there were not riots, but there were people picketing theaters because of this one swear word at the very end of the movie. Um, and now nobody bats an eye at that. We hear them in children's cartoons and we don't even bat an eye at that. Mm. Um, mm. But 75 years ago, 80 years ago, um, the film was boycotted in several areas because it was that bad based on the current standard of the day. But we know that standards have slipped and shifted and slipped. So it's not bad compared to what? Compared to whose standard? And as, as we've already mentioned, compared to God's standard of holiness, um, it probably is that bad. I was thinking of that last time we talked about this. In fifth grade, we had a uh, a lock-in. So all the fifth graders went to school. We had a lock-in with the teachers, um, stayed up late playing games. And then when they got late enough, uh, turned the lights down low, guys on this side, girls on this side, and we put on some movies. The teachers got to choose the movies because I guess that was their reward for getting to be there all night. Uh, and they mm -hmm. chose two films. Um, one was Gone with the Wind. And when we got to that line, one of the teachers muted it. The second film we watched was Grease. <laughs> there was no editing of that film. No. We just watched it in fifth grade. And if, and if you don't know about that film, that's fine. That's I suppose fine. it's a cultural classic. Um, but it's a cultural classic because it's full of immorality and materialism and innuendo and lust. And it's just a terrible, terrible story. Um, and you can say, oh, but it's fun. Those are the stories that Satan tells us. Um, mm -hmm. But but we sort of have this skew, don't we? Is, you know, well, this is bad and this is not that bad. And we do kind of um make these subjective reasonings instead of saying here's the gospel and let's lay this out here and uh philippians 4 is a great place to go to where he talks about you know whatever's true and lovely mm -hmm. and pure and just and honorable and uh, things that are worthy of commendation like let your mind dwell on these things um mm -hmm. what you've seen and heard in me practice these things paul said uh, and the god of peace will be with you and and if we really want to practice those things, if we really want God to be with us, then we have to spend some time finding those things that are true and lovely and good and and turning them over again and again in our minds. Um, right. you, you have something, um, I, I maybe even be on the picture behind you, Craig. Um, what was that about truth? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't live according to this rule, but it says, uh, Photography is truth. A movie is truth at 24 times a second. The average film is, is running 24 frames every second. So you're seeing 24 images. Um, so I'm just photography thinking about Philippians, is truth, 4, right? Philippians 4 with that. If we're, if we're putting things in our minds at 24 images per second, like, I want it to be something that's lovely and pure and commendable right. rather than something that's not that bad. Scott? Right. I don't want to spend much time on this at all because it's a totally different subject. But what you mentioned happened there in school. That was terrible. But that's nothing, nothing compared to what's being taught in school. Right. So as we're talking about discernment and entertainment, we need to have discernment around a lot of areas the world has gotten to be a much more dangerous place especially for children uh, and there are some good school teachers some good principals some good superintendents but man um my daughter was uh when, when COVID came along and they started doing the zoom they had a problem because there was a teacher over here in philadelphia in the teachers meeting with other teachers the video was released and he's talking to other teachers. He says, probably some of you are dealing with the same thing I'm dealing with. You know, how do I teach what I'm going to teach now that the parents are watching? And one of my daughters was working with the schools uh, uh, part of one year. 
And she said, you know, people were noticed, but yeah, we don't want this out there. We don't want the teachers knowing this. And I could give you, I could go, but that's not our subject today, so I'm not going to go there. But just the amount of time to entertain is one thing, but the school's absolutely pushing and pushing and pushing. Uh, and, and the universities, and they're, they're succeeding. They're just turning generations of people right now. They intend to yeah. do it. Well, they go to the schools, and you know, I, I know good school teachers as well, and there are you know good things being done. But like you, there are also uh, you know very harmful things being done to to children. Um, and then they come home, and we're all tempted to do it, right? The kids are being unruly, so what do we do? We set them in front of a show, and we think it's cartoon, it's animated. So how harmful could it possibly be? Um, without probably upsetting a large majority of people who may watch this video, I'll just let you kind of assume um, there are Disney cartoons in partnership with Pixar that when they finally finish telling this particular trilogy of stories, it will, it will blow parents away. Um, we are prepping our kids to fall in love with a series of characters that when this story is finished, um, it will be too invested. The culture will be too invested and we will find some way of using these two excuses. It doesn't affect me and it's not that bad. Um, or this, this next one that I'll, I'll leave up here, which is um, it, it, with sarcasm, my favorite. Um, I'm aware that Hollywood is trying to manipulate, manipulate me and I'm mature enough in my faith to defend against it. So I did a series of lessons um, in an, uh, what shall remain an unnamed college town. And a college student came up to me and said, oh, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I can definitely see what they're trying to do and it's evil and it's wicked and I've, I've got it. Like, you know, I've built enough of a defense. That's why I went and saw x-rated not actually r-rated whatever because i knew what they were doing i was on to their game and you still paid to go see it <laughs> so first of all you're absolutely right justin you said to hollywood more please here's my money please make more but you know again i would quote paul who said let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall as soon as we think i've got this satan is saying the exact same thing and he said that right between the, those two sections where it's specifically answering the thing about uh going to the idol temples and stuff because right. they're trying to say we're smart enough we're smart enough we're spiritual enough we're covered we can handle this yeah. you know rarely does god simply tell us to develop better defenses when it comes to sexual temptation when it comes to our own carnal desires rarely does god say you know build up a defense against it stand against it usually he says flee get out of there mm -hmm. uh you know flee sexual immorality and idolatry and the love of money and youthful lust get get out of there um joseph did it and he was wise to do it you know simply recognizing that there's a man-eating lion over that fence a fool would say i know he's there i got this <laughs> don't jump over the fence and yet we do that we go i know what hollywood's trying to do um most of this story is relatively harmless and and i see what they're trying to teach me when it comes to gender roles when it comes to this and that when it comes to parents authority and uh, because I'm aware of it, I can still consume it. Why? First of all, why? With the limited amount of time that we're all given, time is something we'll never get back. Is that the most valuable thing to be using your time with? And if Joseph wasn't mature enough to stand firm, then uh, I sincerely doubt that, that any of the rest of us are. I was thinking of uh of an objection to that objection um and 
it's not one that I hold to myself, but just thinking I do sometimes apply it in other areas, not just entertainment, um, but like study material, things that I'm reading. And so I might say, well, I'm reading this material. I know it's worldly. Uh, it may not be out and out sinful, but it gives me a better appreciation for the world around me. And so someone might say, you know, seeing this film, um, listening to this music, it helps me to connect with people around me. Um, I don't know, Craig, Scott, do you have thoughts about that? If, if you see me knee deep in something like that? I, I shared last week what a friend of mine told, said here recently. Uh, he didn't grow up a Christian, he grew up in a very worldly environment. And when he turned, uh, one day, one of his friends wanted him to, let's go watch this film. And he said, no, I'm, I'm not going to watch it. And as they got to talking, he said, well, what about all those other movies that you've got? Because he had done it. And he said, I threw them all away. And the other guy said, can I go to church with you sometime? That was an example of work. Hmm. Going along with it. I like that you brought up Joseph. Joseph acted maturely when he got away from Potiphar's wife. If he had said, I think I'm mature enough, we can go out on a date and I'll just be careful. That would not be mature Joseph at all. That would just right. be right. You know, it's 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 the warning. Uh, we've already mentioned the the passage in in First Peter, but it's it's not being conformed to who we used to be, not to be conformed by the passions of our former ignorance. We used to not know better. That's who we used to be. But by God's goodness and grace, we we aren't that anymore. Don't conform yourself. Don't try to put yourself back in that box. But instead, be holy as, as God is holy. Um, you know, Justin, I've heard uh, kind of what you're describing. Uh, some people have, have described that as being, well, I'm simply being open-minded. You know, I, I want to understand other people's perspectives. And I know the truth, but there's value in, in hearing from other people's perspectives. Not when that perspective leads to death. Hmm. I, I don't need to know your rationale for destroying yourself. I know that's death, I, so I don't, I don't need to know how you got there or, or what you'd worked out in your mind to get yourself there. Um, someone, someone quoted, because this was part of a conversation from a study we were having earlier today. Um, I don't know how familiar with you are uh, with, with G.H. Hesterton. I'm not super familiar with him, so obviously like I'm not it. vouching for everything, but uh, some things that I've read, I've, I've really found value in. But he, he said at one point, Merely having an open mind is nothing. The object of opening the mind, as of opening the mouth, is to shut it again on something solid. Yes. Oh, yeah, I like that. So, so to, to claim that it's some virtue, that my mind is open, is, is the same ridiculousness as to walk around with your mouth open and say, aren't I so mature? No, the object is you open it so that eventually you put... Put your mouth on something solid. Put your mind on something solid. And when you've got it, it is not wisdom to then open the brain back up again and let that thing go. And so when we are consuming content, movies and videos, and if I know I've found the truth and it's in God's word, and I'm, I'm focused on that and that's my bedrock, hmm. it is not wisdom. It is not wisdom to say, I, I just need to be more open-minded to the world. Look, the world's had millennia to try and try their own way of figuring this all out, and they're awful at it. They, they haven't figured it out, <laughs> and they're never going to figure it out on their own. Um, it is not wisdom to, to hear from those perspectives more. I think what we may uh, end up communicating to people rather than a kind of uh, sympathy or understanding is whether we mean to or not, we may end up communicating that we haven't actually found the truth that we say we've found. If we're still sampling things, right, and and we're right. playing with this from the world, we're playing with this immorality. Well, we're not participating in it, but we're sure we sure enjoy watching it. 
uh, we're entertained by the same things the world is. We we don't look any different than the world, and therefore right. there's nothing left to be attracted to. You know, we're supposed to be lights, supposed to be salt, uh, and and so what fellowship does light have with darkness? Right. Uh, so if if we look like the world while trying to proclaim the gospel, then what what comes out is this really distorted message that is unbelievable. Scott? There's two passages that relate to this. One's in Romans 16, one's in the book of Revelation. In Romans chapter 16, verse 19, Paul said, I would have you wise unto what is good and simple unto yep. what is evil. Amen. Over Revelation chapter 3, remember there was the Jezebel in that congregation encouraging the people to commit fornication and eat meat sacrificed to idols. And the congregation is rebuked for tolerating it. And then it says to the rest, so stop tolerating her. She's going to be destroyed. It says, and this is Revelation 2, 24, but to the rest, I say, to the rest that are in thy tire, as many as have not this saying, who know not the deep things of Satan as they are wont to say. I cast no further burden on you other than stop tolerating it, tolerating it and get around. But think about that. The ones that were doing this, they this was one of their sayings. We know the deep things of Satan. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't need to become a meth addict to find out that meth is bad. That's a stupid way to find out that meth is bad. And say, how can I, how can I count on using meth unless I've gotten myself into it? No, don't do that. Uh, Jimmy Swagger may remember. Uh, well, no, you wouldn't remember, but you may be familiar with it. There was a Pentecostal preacher years ago. Jim Baker and Tammy Bay, who the scandals interrupted, and one of their hard, one of their big critics was another Pentecostal preacher, Jimmy Swagger. Well, he had also outed uh, the sins of another preacher. That preacher got a private eye and followed Jimmy Swagger, and he caught Jimmy Swagger at the hotel, let the tires out of his Cadillac so he couldn't get away at the hotel where Jerry, Jimmy Swagger was meeting the prostitute. And so you can find on YouTube, I'm sure when you see him, you know, confessing before the congregation. But somebody told me they later heard him explaining that he didn't, he wasn't actually touching the prostitute, but he, he had been trying to understand the lusts of the flesh. Later, he was in Las Vegas with another prostitute. Um, this, this business of... You know, I, I need to understand this. Um, no, I understand that rat poison is not good for you. And I'm not going to eat it. Right. Because I trust the one who told me it was harmful. So if God says, stay away from that, flee that, you are to make yourself separate from that. You're not to have anything to do with that. I don't have to try because because if I feel compelled, I, I've got to consume it myself. I've got to try it for myself. Basically, I'm saying, God, I don't trust you. I don't believe you when you say it's harmful, which again goes back to the very first lie ever yep. told in the garden. Did God really say, can he really be trusted when he said, like, Satan's tactics are not new. They're not new. He's very uh, uninventive. He's very unoriginal. Um, and th this was a warning that, that Paul gave to Timothy at the end of First Timothy uh, in chapter 6 and verse 20, to guard the deposit trusted to you, avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. There are some people who are going to try to convince you that this is knowledge, all of these things that don't, like, he said, don't, don't get involved in that. Um, instead, hold fast to what's been entrusted to you, the gospel as delivered. Um, and that goes for what we teach and what we consume. Um, it, it goes for what we view and listen to. You mentioned that Satan is not creative. That's right. God is the creator. Satan is a perverter. You stop and you think about a lot of sins. They are perversions of something good. Mm -hmm. Idolatry is a perversion 
of recognizing and worshiping God. Vengeance is a perversion of justice. Um, pride and arrogance is a perversion of self-respect. Uh, so many things now are a perversion of for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Satan is a pervert. Right. Right. So we keep kind of going back to, and I think this is this is the right place to start, and it's the right right place to to wrap up any conversation like this. Is whose standard are we talking about? Is it just my parents? Is it mine that I've set for my home, perhaps? Is it what the church would be offended by or like none of that? I'm not saying none of that is of no value. Obviously, if our parents have set standards and, and we are children under their authority, we need to respect those standards. But at the end of the day, our parents' standards hopefully are being informed by God's standards. Mm. And that's holiness in all of our content, uh, in all of our conduct. And so um, even if all of my friends choose to go and see xyz film that's not my standard how many people are okay with it is not how i dictate whether something's you know how many how many christian articles did i read that said it was helpful like that's not my standard either um yeah but start and we mentioned this last time start by asking the right questions it's okay to inquire is there offensive content in that i do that we should do that but that shouldn't be our first question and the first question is, is it beneficial? Does it help? Does it enforce uh, truth? Or is it, and I have to be honest with myself, and I have to do enough research before to go, is it trying to subvert truth? Um, we've got to ask questions of that, even of cartoons. Um, and I use this, uh, you know, I don't think this will be a shocker to anybody. There are like 800 Ice Age cartoons that have been made. And they're hilarious and they're adorable. And that stupid raccoon who can never get the acorn. Like, I get it. It's evolution. Like, that's what that is communicating. That when the Bible said God created the world in six days and creation happened this way, those cartoons are saying God's a liar and the Bible cannot be trusted. And they say it again. And again and again and again and again and they make it cute and it's really fun but basically they're saying the bible cannot be trusted that's not what happened and god's a liar when he said so um is that a good use of my time should i put my kids in front of that um and so uh, you know I'm, I'm constantly encouraging people to thankfully there are some really helpful tools now i think i mentioned maybe some of these uh last week but there's a website called Common Sense Media, and they do book they do book reviews and movie reviews and TV shows. Um, they don't list every word, they don't list every scene, but they give you a good sense of, you know, what parents should be mindful of. Sometimes I think they put the emphasis on things that aren't as important to be, you know, uh, was there enough uh, representation of X Y Z culture? Well. I, you know, if, if it's a movie about fill in the blank time period, it's not going to make sense if XYZ culture was in that movie or not. But I digress. Um, Common Sense Media, it's a, it's a free website. You get so many reviews per month for free. You can sign up for something monthly if you do it more often. Um, frankly, there aren't enough movies coming out often enough that I'm even curious, is this even a possibility? Um, VidAngel is a service that they've taken different iterations over the years, but right now you are allowed to connect some of your streaming services. So you actually log into VidAngel and watch your Netflix or watch your Amazon through VidAngel, and they filter out very extensively, if you want, filter out any potentially offensive content. Um, Star Wars Episode One lets you filter out Jar Jar, which is frankly awesome. Um, they let you do that. Um, that's not a good use of my time. Uh, Clear Play is something similar as well. To me, I find it a little bit more clunky simply because I have to do it through a web browser. Um, but Clear Play um, has access to some films that uh, VidAngel doesn't. 
And so that's uh, these are obviously services you have to pay for. Um, but sometimes there are compelling good stories that I think are of value that Hollywood thought would be better if they sprinkled in. And it's like, I, I want to show my kids that. I think there's value in that. I just don't want this stuff. And so those those are services. Um, and then as far as, you know, um, there is a there is a site. This is good for just internet browsing, but Covenant Eyes is is a place that helps to create accountability partners as we're consuming media or content of any kind on on the internet. Right. And so, playing off of that verse in Job thirty one, where Job said that I've made a covenant with my eyes. You know, how then could I gaze at a virgin? Um, but then normally I ask when someone's considering, should I watch that? I ask them the question, does it pass the reality test? And what that is, is if someone were to come into your living room and do that or say that in front of you and in front of your kids, how long would you let them do that before you told them to leave? How much of their clothing would you let them take off before you said, not in front of my kid, not in front of like, how many swear words would you let them say if they were in your living room? And usually it would be very little. We wouldn't put up with much of that at all. John Wick would have to leave. John Wick would have to leave. He seems like a nice guy in real life, but I, I wouldn't let him kill a single guy in my living room. And he kills dozens. Um, because nowadays films are shot in such a high definition it's actually cleaner and crisper than our eyes can detect it is really in our living room mm. it Stop. sounds clearer and looks clearer than even reality so i want to make one last point um kind of hate to because it's it's there's other points more important and i want the more important points to have the focus but I do want to get this in. In first Corinthians 8 through 10, where Paul is dealing with something very similar because they're trying to justify partaking in something. He shows them why they shouldn't do it. But he also makes this point. What about the people who see you with the eye of the children? Yes. Combine that with Luke chapter 17. To cause one of these little ones to stumble, it'd be better for a millstone to be put around your neck. So there's a big movie. When I was in high school, one of the big movies was uh or college one uh or early years ago uh, it was close encounters i didn't go see that movie because i knew what had happened there was a little child in the movie that was going to use uh, uh, an inappropriate language and that little child didn't talk like that and they weren't comfortable speaking like that so they had the child say the word over and over and over and over and over and over over and over until this little child was comfortable saying that and that's just all of these and i wouldn't go see the movie uh, but what about some big movie today comes out and everybody's all excited about it there's a bunch of filth and trash in it and you or i say i'm strong enough. i'm so spiritual i can go watch it and then we're at church talking about that movie and there's those kids well he went. Right. You know, my Bible class teacher went. One of the elders right. went. Preacher went. Brother so and so went. In First Corinthians eight through ten, Paul's not saying stay out of the idol temple only because somebody might see you. He's saying stay out of the idol temple. Yeah. But he also points out when you're justifying that you're so smart you can handle it. What about the other people? Yeah, I think that's First Corinthians eight through ten. You read to that section, you think. Wow, I mean, this must have been really applicable for the Corinthians two thousand years ago. But you know, I don't have an idol temple around to get meat from anymore, so this is not really applicable. Guess again, um, mm -hmm. Cinemark is the new idol temple, and we we best uh, best beware and not deceive ourselves. Craig, this was really helpful, uh, and especially from your perspective, I think anyone should apply these biblical principles regardless of our experience with uh, the film industry itself but um, from someone who's who's been there and is currently doing it uh, this is helpful just just a quick little uh, plug uh, because you do work 
for and um, have co-founded and you know, helped lead up a um, a media company, Appian Media. Uh, you can go to appianmedia.org and see some of uh, Craig and Crew's um, films. It, it's biblically accurate is the, the goal and that it's also uh, visually engaging. It's, uh, it's well-made stuff, uh, Bible land videos, Bible study materials, totally free. Um, there, there are some materials that are not free that you can pay to purchase study guides and such. Um, but I appreciate your efforts with that. Um, you've got uh, something new coming out here uh, in just what, two mm. weeks, three weeks? Oh, thankfully not two weeks. Uh, March 16th, we'll release a, a video about the Exodus um, by, by showing Egypt and Jordan and picking a path, picking a path that, that could have been taken um, by Israel as they came out of Egypt. Um, because I, I hope people have not come away from these studies thinking Craig hates me. <laughs> like he just, he's really got, got it out for them. No, it is a powerful tool. And just like a car, a car can be incredibly helpful. And if used correctly and well, it's very beneficial, but it can also kill people. And so this tool, if used well, I have seen great benefit. Mm -hmm. And especially with, with what we're trying to do with Appian Media is, is we're trying to give you the right visuals so that when your imagination is engaged as you read the text, you're seeing the right kind of places or you're thinking about the right kind of, of historical context, uh, geographical context. And so there is great value if the tools are, are done in a way that is we're not trying to trick you. We're being very open and honest about what we're trying to do. And if that's for you, awesome. And if you don't want anything to do with that, we understand. Um, we're trying to help people appreciate and, and fall in love with the Bible. And, yeah. and, and we hope that our content can do that. So Well, it's, it's well-made material. Um, I was privileged enough actually to go and, and help with that one. Uh, so mm -hmm. go to appymedia.org. Uh, for everyone else joining in today, hope the study and discussion was helpful to you, beneficial in some way. Uh, if so, praise God. If you'd like to, you can share it with others. Uh, thanks for joining in. We'll see you next week, Lord willing. Uh, if you'll join us next Tuesday at 2 for another discussion at Bible Quest. All right.